Hey, you're listening to the uh, Kickstart Podcast presented by 60 Helmets. Uh, Mike Antonovich and I are in, uh, what city is this? Temecula. We're in Temecula, California. Wait. No, it's Marietta, sorry. We're in Marietta, California. Yeah, no, it's, it's right around the border. <laughs> At the uh, Monster Energy Star Racing Yamaha race shop with uh, with Mr. Will Hahn, team manager. <laughs> team manager. So uh, That's scary, yeah. So, yeah, so our show is brought to us by 60 Helmets. You wore 60 in the past, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I did it uh, at Geico Honda. Yeah, Geico Honda. And, uh, yeah, that, that helmet really changed the way we all think about helmets and the safety and uh, rotational impact injuries. And, uh, yeah, I'm sure you liked yours when you wore it, right? Yeah. No, I mean, the, the company was good to me. And, uh, you know, we split ways when I went to the 450 and stuff like that, which I think it created maybe a little bit of bad blood. But, um no, I mean, I, I think you have to learn a lot about that. And unfortunately, one of the main reasons my career, I think, ended early was because of concussions and stuff like that. And it uh, just got to the point where, I don't know, I started thinking about it, and it made me a little bit nervous. Like, bones, even to this day, like, it's not scary to, for me. I don't feel like to go break an arm or a leg or something like that. I mean, I don't want to, but I'm mm-hmm. not scared of it. But I was starting to get scared of the what-ifs because there is so much unknown to, you know, a possible head injury. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that said, it's great that company like 6D came around, and all, I think all helmets are probably safer now. I prefer Bell. Okay, there you go. Touche. <laughs> Team sponsor, bro. But hey, you had a uh, you had an interesting weekend um, in uh, in uh, New Jersey or East Rutherford. Um, were there any? I wanted to ask you: Were there any team instructions or anything? Or when when Oldenburg's passing Cooper, who's potentially a title contender, were you just like? No, I mean, there was nothing said that night. So I think you mean you always want the guys to get the best results that they can. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, no, I, there was there was nothing said. It was good. It was good all the way around. I think Mitchell surprised a lot of people considering how up and down this year has been. For him to come out, do a heat race win, and then get second was stellar for him. Yeah, and I think he, he qualified, I don't know, less than a hundredth off the, the lead or something like that. I think almost in both practices. I think it was really close, like within a tenth like that. And for him to be able to put the whole night together is what we've been kind of, you know, hoping and wanting for him. And, you know, like Justin's been able to do it and stuff like that. And I feel like the biggest thing for us leaving that night was what was really cool was that got us all four guys on the podium in the same year, which I think is huge. And it's it's hard to do that. So mm-hmm. um, I was really proud of that, the fact of that, that now we've done that. And also for Mitch to come back through and kind of realize after two really tough seasons that, you know, he's doing the right things and he's on the right track to being back, which – I mean, unfortunately, I know how that feels and how hard it is to kind of dig yourself out of that hole and you feel like you can't do anything right. And uh, I think it was about halfway through the main, I was down in the mechanics area and a lapper had crashed in the whoops like right in front of him. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how he missed it, but I was like, ah, that'd be about right. Like it's going to knock him <laughs> down, you know, and like he's in perfect position and going to get cleaned out by a lapper right now. But I was like, okay, we're, we're okay. We're good. Is it weird in the position you're in? The emotions compared now to back then? Like, are you more stressed now than you were because it's out of your hands on how these guys are going to do? Like, how most people are when their kids ride compared to when they ride? Uh, yeah, and I didn't think it would be like that. And it's kind of crazy. And I, and I think that you nailed it. Like, I think because you're not in control at all. And not that I was in control that often on my dirt bike. But, you know, um, <laughs> I think that it's – I honestly do get way more nervous watching the guys. And I think because not only that, but you, you want – them to do well you want it for them as well because you see what they do during the week and you know what mm-hmm. it's like to be in that position and put the work you put in and when you don't get the results it's frustrating and and i know how they feel when it's like that so 
yeah, when you're sitting there and you're like, you want this for them and you want to do this and you want to do that. And it's like, but once the gate drops, there's nothing you can do, you yeah. know, and, um, it's all up to them at that point. So yeah, I do feel like I'm much more nervous. I'd say so now than, than I was even racing, which is crazy. Like it's even when I remember watching my brother and stuff like that, if I was injured or something, I'd go watch a race and that was harder for me than racing. Mm-hmm. Hey, so Justin Cooper, does he still stay with you? Yeah. Stays with you out here. Is he as quiet? At home, as he is at the track? He talks a little bit more. A little bit more? But that's not very much. Do you ever get him to engage and, like, talk crap and have fun? or? Oh, yeah. No, without a doubt. He's, he loves to, like, try and put me in my place. And what does he usually say to do that? Um, or, like, say, for instance, on track walk this weekend, I'm like, yeah, you're going to go two, three, three? And I'm like, well, I'd do it. Sure, okay, it's easy for you to say that. But, he's like, <laughs> you know, like, I think deep down he knows I probably would at least try it. Yeah. So at least, you know, he, he has that. and um, But, yeah, it's just funny at home. Like, yeah, he'll come down sometimes at night, you know, no shirt on, and, like, you're just making some dinner or something like that. And he's, you can just tell he's kind of putting on a show, like kind of flexing a little bit harder than he probably should be. And I'm like, did you just do push-ups, dude? Do you need to come down here like that and scare everybody? Yeah. Dog runs outside. You know, feels like he's going to get hit any minute. The guy just looks look just jacked. Nice. It's all welterweight division fights in your house too, isn't it? Yeah, it is. We're we're all one fifty and below. <laughs> so. Flyweight. Oh. oh, I don't know huh? what this stuff oh. is. I just watched her bike. Lightweight. Races. I don't. Know. I don't know. Maybe lightweight. Would Mayweather and all those guys like one forty five? They might be featherweight. I think you and I are in the same weight division. We get yeah. the shit kicked out of each other. So let's just well, I can't fight regardless. I guess it doesn't really matter. No. Have you ever been in a fist fight, Will? Mm, no. I don't think so. No? Not, not even with Tom? No, it's more of a wrestle than anything. Mm-hmm. Like some bleeding, but like not like not an actual hit, no. Yeah. Speaking of lightweight, hey, this guy, come into the camera here. Yes, yeah, our new employee. Huh? Come stand right here. Look at this guy. <laughs> no one even recognizes him anymore. Oh, huh? right. No, I don't know. How, how, how much weight have you dropped, Coker? 120 pounds. 120 pounds. On the Oprah Winfrey doctor thing, that's that's six inches. Six inches of penis. That's hot. Huh? That's about right. That's huh? hot. That's about right. Six is well above average. I'll I'd take that any day. I don't know why he's still here. You should be up in the valley right now. You should. Yeah. Nice. Hey, what's it like? Uh, like, the, like everyone, all the personalities on the team seem to gel pretty well. Is it, is it a fun environment here at the shop yeah i think that it's something i don't know if it's all because we're pretty close in age and uh which is surprising like you know it's kind of crazy that i'm not the oldest but i'm one of the oldest of the team so um it's kind of crazy to to migrate into that where i'm like still pretty young but um i don't know it's it's funny we all get along really really well uh it's it's easy to go to work when it's like that too and i know like even like this weekend for instance one of the mechanics and i we ran to the stadium in the morning he worked all day and then like i made a bet for him like during the day like i was kind of joking i'm like well let's chug a beer after the night and then run back to the hotel mm-hmm. and then I, after the words he like called me out on it so he did it but yeah. it's like funny like that like that doesn't happen everywhere in your job like well you know or you have like someone like that where you know you can joke around like that and then we ended up doing it and we all went to dinner as a team afterwards even after that so mm-hmm. um yeah the camaraderie is really good here yeah i mean even though you guys have a lot on the line it doesn't seem like there's this overwhelming pressure either it's like you hey come here you do what you're supposed to do it's not like you're like throwing the whip at everybody no and i think that that's 
I don't know. We have a really good balance of that. Like the guys really understand what we want out of them and what we expect out of them. Um, but we also we you got to have fun doing it as well, and we do a good job of finding that balance. I feel like. Mm-hmm. Anton, you said throw a whip at them. Let's crack a whip because oh, we wow. all know that Will can't throw a whip. Uh, oh, you can't. That's such bullshit. <laughs> I for sure can. I think I want to hear. Well, oh uh, yeah, no, that was a, that was a pretty good whip on that car. Yeah, but dude, the, you can't give me a, that jump at my at miles on that day. It was like it was not whip material, and it's probably blowing ninety miles an hour. Yeah, but you had the less intimidatory goggles on. I did, and that, that felt good. That made the cover that much better. That felt good. No one could see my eyes looking right at the camera. <laughs> the next time we shot was the biggest bummer because I think I landed off the triple like second lap, and I just knifed the front and just completely oh, buried yeah. up my whole kit for yeah. the cover. I was like, Tuck. ah. Dude. What cover was that one? The Will Hahn is winning. Yeah, right before Vegas or at Vegas something that year. Yeah. Okay. All right, so you know how to win a championship because you've done it. You've rolled into Vegas in a good position to win. Broke your hand and overcame some crazy adversity, right? What are the emotions going through uh, Cooper, Justin Cooper's head and, say, even – Chase Sexton's head going into Vegas. It's it's so hard because I think too like it was almost harder for me like mid season break um, because you're getting pulled so many directions. Like you want to do outdoor testing, but yet you want to focus on Supercross because this is the ultimate goal. You worked your whole life for it, but yet you don't want to go get your pants pulled down at Hangtown. So it's like a catch twenty two. Like if you do win the title, you want to also do good when it comes outdoors. You don't want to be like, oh, I got Supercross title, but I just got 16th at Hangtown because people quickly forget. Mm. And so it's like trying to find that balance. But, yeah, I don't know. That last week was – honestly, the weeks were going so easy. But like I said, there was I think there was a break between like maybe Minneapolis and Vegas or something for me, and that was hard because I didn't do good the last round. I really felt like I left a lot on the table, and I was struggling with like just riding. Like I was always thinking – you know more so like cautious on the cautious side and that's why in vegas i kind of went with this mentality like i'm going back to how i was i'm gonna set pole i'm gonna win this thing tonight regardless of what happens i don't care i'm gonna win it and then you know ego gets in front of you and then i crash like that but then you so you gotta find that balance unfortunately um but at the same time you, you really can't ride with anything to lose mm-hmm. yeah. how how is justin handling the pressure of the potential championship right now I'd say great, especially for considering this is his rookie Supercross season. You know, I mean, yeah, he did one round last year, but I would hardly count that. So um, I, I think that he's uh, – and it helps because he's so mature coming into this anyway. You know, like going to college for a year, he kind of had to find out how to earn this. It wasn't like he has had everything his whole life. So I think that, that kind of shows with, with standing through this and going through this that he's a bit more mature than, than most at this age. Mm-hmm. You guys have a good position right now because Dylan has a shot at the title too. Do you manage each guy differently? Dylan's a lot older. He's done this a lot longer. He kind of knows what he's doing, and then he has his own inner circle too. I mean, you're probably going about it way different between the two guys. I think it's kind of – I mean, it's almost both the same mindset at Vegas. I mean, you both have to go – well, yeah. you can't both win, but you got to go 1-2 or mm-hmm. you know whatever it's got to be and then let the cards kind of fall. I think that's about all you can do at this point is – go out there and like i said if you go win the race and whatever happens after that you did the best you could how, how crazy it would be if there was a situation where the guys were one two and then their championship rivals were back in the pack and like one guy would have to 
pass the other guy to win. The other guy to, mm-hmm. for them both to win. Would you? Would you be doing math in the manager's tower? Or? Oh, I'm sure. I'm <laughs> sure we'll be. Brad's always got uh, the math going up there. The so. Scenarios, huh? Yeah. So I mean. Like I said, anything can always happen there, especially when you you combine both coasts like that, and how crazy the year's already been with without doing that. So, um, yeah, I mean, anything can definitely happen. Yeah, what do you think of the way that they run the East West Finals now, combined? Uh, like yours I, I, was separate, right? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah it yours was, was separate two finals, yeah. and then the the, the Dave, shootout Dave didn't matter. Shootout. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the shoot. Yeah, I didn't even ride it. Um, Pussy. It's a bummer, dude. I wanted to. I wanted. I, I ne- but never got to run one, man. Uh, I really wanted to, but um, yeah, I don't know. I'm mixed on that. I like it as a fan. I love it. You know, a fan of the sport, I absolutely love it. But you love the way it is now, or you love the way it was? The way it is now. Yeah, I mean, as mm-hmm. a fan, because you want to see all the best combined. Um, Where they have to perform. Yeah, because normally the shootout was kind of like at that point. You know, you've kind of if you won, you're kind of. Like, it was rare. It did happen. I know it happened. Like the, the guy that won the championship went out and won the shootout as well. But more often than not, somebody else won. Yeah, yeah. because I think you you you're, you work for that pinnacle the whole time and you finally get it. It's like a sense of like ease to where you're like, yeah, I'll just get through this next one and we're good. Let's go get a beer or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I want to relax for a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys are in a position where everybody's always had this question: Should we have all two fifties all the time? Instead of just seeing them twice a year, you guys being in this position, would you rather go that way? Four guys all year racing, or do you like it split up right now? It's a or good would question. you have only two guys full-time because it's more expensive? Yeah. That's a good question. I mean, I think we would still end up doing the way we kind of do it now. Um, but, yeah, it would get more expensive Like when you look at that, like not just bike-wise. Expen- uh, travel. Yeah, just the, the team travel alone would be – you know a a pretty astronomical amount um but at the same time i i I don't know i i don't i kind of like the way it is i just don't think you should there's a part of me that thinks that the point out rule needs to change Mm -hmm. and and i don't think necessarily i don't know i just struggle like for some guys like if you can make a living riding the 250 and you can't on a 450 like how can you tell them no you know like i don't know what that needs to change to if it's like okay we cap it once you get 650 points you're out Mm-hmm. or whatever but i think you can win as long as you want to win you know um i think for instance like myself i think even like getting another year would have really helped me you know even one more like that would have been fine with me um, well, you wouldn't have gotten any taller no but i would have somewhat matured more not a lot but a little bit um a little and it gives you that opportunity like you get that conference on the 50f and you you would have gotten one more year of i mean i, I would have made more money yeah. You know what I mean? And that, and that sounds bad to say, but, like, the selfish side of me would, wouldn't have minded to make another couple hundred grand, you know, that next mm-hmm. year of bonuses. So, um, and, and like I said, just experience of being up front and you expect that of yourself. Like, it took me eight rounds in the 450 to kind of believe that I could run up front. Because mm-hmm. it's got to be, like, a huge confidence killer to go in and then just get waxed at Anaheim 1. Yeah, dude, I was so far off all day. I think I got 11th, and I was like, dude. You didn't get waxed. I, I mean, did. waxed in your mind, though. No, I did. I, no, didn't get no. I think I started up front. Too. You know, the biggest problem with your 450 debut was the number that you were carrying. There was a lot of pressure with that number 48. Oh, yeah. Well, that one, I, well, when I ran 48 the first time, I only made it about 10 minutes. Max. <laughs> it was a rough day. Yeah, that was a, that was a bad one. That, was, that, was a... that sucked because that killed like the whole vibe of the whole day for everybody. 
that's what it seemed like the messages i was getting stuff like that i was like well i mean it's nice to be cared about you know when i finally figured out where i was at mm-hmm. mustard dough <laughs> yeah that really that was this true story true story i went to go visit you in the hospital and tom goes okay he's got a fake name because you know like he's he just can't be will hahn in the hospital across from Anaheim stadium well, what's the name mustard dough m-u-s-t-e-r dough so yeah, I, I went no to the idea. front and I was like, I'm here to see mustard dough. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> but I mean, if you think about it, if you were in the hospital across the street from Anaheim Stadium as Wuhan, you could have got some randoms coming in. I could have got potentially, I mean, I don't even have kids right now. The filling station girl could have rolled down. Oh, yeah. Man, yeah. That's really a bummer. It's a real bummer. Keep going. That's fine. Um, okay, so now going into these last few weeks, Hangtown's coming up. You guys have been really busy with that. Uh, you guys have made the decision, though, to keep everybody on the West Coast all the time. Uh, why is that? Just keep everybody close? Uh, yeah, I think that, that logistically, again, like we've done the East Coast, and I just think we have such a good program here, like especially with Swanee's guys, like the gym, you know, the drive to the day, the bike rides, like everything's in unison first where we go east it can be like okay it's a long drive to the track and then the gym situation's okay but it's not ideal or like even like rehab during the weeks like even if you don't have an injury that's requiring you to stay off the bike i just feel like kind of everything's a little bit more productive here and then also the cost is shipping yeah that practice mm-hmm. motors back and forth that and, and and even just you know alone like I feel like when we have, if there's something on an issue, like, hey, my bike feels like kind of like this today, we address it right then. It doesn't have to be over the phone and then ship a set of forks. Then it's the next day they try it and then they didn't like them. And then you, then you have to go to the race weekend like that and you still haven't got a solution. Mm-hmm. Where, yeah, I don't know. We just, we work well here. I know my last couple of years I stayed here for outdoors and it was more, it was just more productive. Like, yeah, sometimes the tracks aren't as rough or as deep on the weekends, but I just felt like it's always more productive here. Mm-hmm. What do you think about the, uh, the big debate about, Anytime a factory rider gets cleaned out by some goon at a local track, you know, like it, it, it's bound to happen. You know, there's guys going top level speed and then there's spodes who took the day off from, yeah, you know, from their job and are out there just farting around. Are you talking about yourself? No, dude. Oh. I'm number 48. Oh, oh my bad. My bad. <laughs> I forgot. Um, no, I mean, I think that like, I think more stuff is going to need to be for it to be productive is kind of do like what he is doing on Mondays. It's pro only from eight to one. Yeah. And they don't want, mm. they don't grade it and it stays rough. Right? Yeah. I think that that's something that could be really productive out here. And you'd get the, you'd get all of the, the teams to kind of get in that same program. How, like how do they enforce that? Because like, like if you're a goon, they flag red flag you off on Mondays or something. I mean, what's keep some spode from going out there. I mean, I guess you never really can and just be monitoring it by eye and being like, well, yeah, clearly, you know, you take a lap time on someone, and if they're 15 seconds off, the yeah. other guy that's mm-hmm. there. It's kind of like pro day at Milestone, right? They're still yeah, they're always that always there, happen so. like that, and I think that's just the issue is like, especially at a track where there's other options like Paul, there's a vet track and stuff like that, and if I feel like, and honestly, we're not past we're not the track past 1:30 or 2 o'clock. Like if once they're off, like there's no reason why you know you ride the vet track for a bit and then go over there and ride. But when it's packed like that, it's just it's pretty dangerous at times. But at the same time, you know, you're out here enough, you kind of already know that going in. You sometimes, yeah, it might affect the lap time, but you got to be kind of aware of what you're around too. You're a guy that watches F1 and MotoGP, I think. 
you see where they have, you know, standardized tests or just, hey, this is the only time you guys are allowed to ride. Would you guys as a as a team and then maybe a couple other teams want to work together to make that happen? I mean, it would kind of suck because you would see the speed of the other people, but then it's at least you know you're with the same pace all the time. Yeah, I think it could be productive and unproductive because, yeah, like you said, you could show your cards maybe too much, but also, no, it would be nice knowing, like, okay, if I'm a little bit off. This is what I have to work towards. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. I think think it could go either way. Like, I think you'd have a tough time with the egos involved, like, to to be able to get that done. But at the same time, like, I think it could work both ways. Mm Mm-hmm. Hey, let's talk about Easter weekend. You came in with a number one plate, didn't you? Two of them, dude. Two of them. Yeah, unbelievable. So you raced the Cal Classic. Yep. And did you race exclusively on a YZ250? Yeah. Two-stroke. Yep. All right, so what two two championships did you win? FMF, two-stroke challenge or two-stroke open, and then plus 25. Nice. Yeah, it's funny because Wes can't announce. He's like, yeah, this is probably Will's 18th or 20th amateur title, and I've won more amateur titles now since being retired than I did before I went pro. Sadly, which is four. And I only won two as an amateur, so, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, the stats aren't that great, but I'm starting to pick it back up. Well, I don't see the number one plates on your wall behind your office. They're honestly, they're at home. You with my other ones, yeah. With the contingency checks? Yeah, I, mean, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, do you get to are, win contingency? I haven't submitted bike? everything, no. Uh, and, like, I, I, my 252 stroke, like, I, didn't even, I just, just got it, and it was, like, I think practice was Thursday, and we were up here Wednesday night. It was, like, 4.30, and I'm like, wow. Well, guess i'll ride like might as well if i'm going all week might as well ride so we like threw some tires on it and bars and a pipe meth, so meth, you and decided to race the night before basically yeah dude that's badass who, who was your closest competition <sighs> levi kitchen was fast in the two-stroke class he was uh i got worked the first moment i got third mm-hmm. i got a whole shot at two i was pretty bummed out on myself and then uh Really, you know, the team came back, talked to me, said it's not acceptable, <laughs> and uh, really, really got on me, and I had to go out there and win that last moto. So were you on a stock bike with a pipe, or was it factory stuff? No, yeah, just stock stock suspension. Um, well, everyone came back to me, like, what's the ride? Like, what's it like to ride a factory two-stroke? I'm like, it's, it's literally factory. Like, you know, I put a V-Force on it, a uh, pipe, uh, I think a rear sprocket, and bars. And that was it. Was your uh, was your FMF pipe? Was it the Works raw pipe, or did you get the Chrome one? The Works. You should have run the Chrome one. I did on twenty five last year. Some of the races. Yeah. We had to. We're like, let's bring it back. <laughs> Nickel. That's all I ran as an amateur. Yeah. Dad wasn't trying to get David E forty down there and scrub that thing. He's not feeling that. True. True. Right. I mean, you want bling if you're going to spend the money on it. That's true. Yeah. That's true. You want to be shiny. Yeah. How did the amateur guys do? Um, I, I'm assuming Jarrett Fry just destroyed everyone. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, he, was, he was so impressive at the Transworld race you sent him to. Uh, oh, whoa, whoa. Swap moto race. Yeah, we don't do Transworld, no. Um, all right, so they went 1-2, one, 1-2, two, one, two, one, two, and then 1 DNF. Um, unfortunately, Matt went down yeah. Yeah, in the last race and cracked his shoulder. Uh, which he's doing fine from that now. But it was really cool to see us be able to do that against, I think, a really good competition. Um, and not only that, like, I mean, Jarrett's a great rider of everyone that's seen him ride. Like, he's really good. So we, I hate to say we expected that out of him, which we did because he is so good. Mm-hmm. Um, but Matthew really surprised me just because, you know, he just turned 15. He just got on this 250F. He was on Super Minis this time last year. And he's really adapted to it well. He's really adapted to working with all the guys really well, and, and that's what's cool is our, as a group, we all work together so well. Like you guys say, not just staff, but like 
the writers involved and everything is um, it's pretty seamless and, and makes it easy when you and then you go see that happen and how quickly he's kind of progressed into you know right now like you eliminate Jarrett from those races he would have won three titles his first year on big bikes in, in mm-hmm. the B class which I think is uh, unreal mm-hmm. how'd your lap times compared to Jarrett's about 45 seconds a lap off he's that fast I'm that slow no come on well, but he's also that fast come on well you're past champion yeah and super cross dude I don't do outdoors <laughs> okay um What's it like uh, managing the amateur? Or, or is the amateur guys not your deal? Is there an amateur team manager here? No, no, it's um, it's all one. That's what we. I think that's another reason why I think this works so well is, you know, no one really gets treated differently. Mm-hmm. How do you handle the amateur kids compared to your pro guys? Honestly, about the same. Mm-hmm. Like I try to be about the same to anybody, so it's not anything special or anything different, or they feel like that's you know handled differently. Um, so try to just kind of be the same to everybody and try to, honestly, it's just more so to help them as in any way possible. That's what, that's what I'm here. Mm-hmm. Will they be under your tent for the remainder of the year or is there a shift or something? Cause I, I heard something about cycle trader graphics on somebody or was that incorrect? Yeah, no, we, so on the front fender, there's a uh, rock river. Um, and I don't know if it's a trader, I think it's just rock river. But so the, on the amateur side of things, like the semi that goes to the amateur races is um, part cycle trader, <coughs> Rock River amateur team, and then us. So it's kind of a 50-50 deal. So we have, you know, Jarrett and uh, Matthew under that, and then they have uh, Hal Payne, um, you know, and then Cade Johnson and Levi Kitchen and TJ Rios. So mm-hmm. it's it's a packed house, but it's um, it, it also works really well for us because not only that, we have a semi at the races and we have Yamaha support there, and it's – also, I think for the future, it's giving, you know, Yamaha multiple options to, to go pro. You know, I think there's going to be a star pathway and there's going to be a cycle trader rock river pathway. Mm-hmm. And I don't think a lot of people have that to offer. I think it's pretty special. Yeah. Are you guys going to take advantage of that A-class and the pro races this summer? I think we, uh, I don't know if it'll be that quick, but I think we're going to. And I, I really like the idea of it. I think it's a great idea. Um, and not only that, just to get someone's feet wet and then go, okay, you know, kind of know where I stand and then go back to the Reddas and then you could race the last three again, mm-hmm. you know, or whatever. Uh, I think it just, I think it just makes sense for the future of our sport. Mm-hmm. What else did you see at the Cal Classic? Um, the Hunter Lawrence came out there. Did, granted, he wanted to come out and get some gate drops, right? And some race time, but like, was he risking anything being like a, a high level professional guy who's expected to do well? yeah coming to an amateur race i would say so i mean like if i could put myself back there and and you go out there because i mean if you go get a second especially like say one of your amateur teammates beats you like that would be pretty hard to 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 take and i I know that there's there's a longer long-term goal in that but with and it might have happened if it was the normal amateur race where it's six or seven laps but it helped with the their motors were all 20 plus one Mm -hmm. and i think that that really helped them a lot uh, especially him um but I, I think it's good. It's good, smart to get gate drops, no doubt about it. Um, but to say you're not risking something there, you're, yeah, you definitely are. Yeah. Uh, who impressed you the most in the A classes? Take Hunter out. Uh, take Hunter out. Um, Shimoda and Mumford were, were really good, I thought. Um, Shimoda, just because at Freestone, it seemed like he kind of struggled a little bit. And then there, it seemed like he really rose up to the occasion. Um, and then Mumford... Um, was more so just his speed like he fell off and i know he's still struggling from coming back from injury or i know i talked to him a little bit there but um his raw speed at the beginning of the races was was pretty 
pretty fast. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that Shimoda kid? Great hope of Japan. He's a lot cooler than you. <laughs> All right. I'll give it to you. He's pretty cool, dude. He, he always cool. waves at me. He's never flipped me off. You flip me off a lot. Does I've everybody never flip you off? off? Yeah, a lot of people do. That's, that's hey, it's so usually cool. Will doing the flipping. Yeah, it is, dude. Me and Matt are in a, in a heated flip off battle right now. He's <laughs> like got a, the upper hand right now. I think I still might have the lead by one flip off. Okay. It's yeah. like as soon as you see that person, if you already have it up, you lose. Like I remember it was in the airport like at 5 a.m. one morning. He was on like a little walk, the walking escalator going across, and I'm like making a scene in the airport. Steve, Steve, like yelling, everyone's looking at me, and he looks over, and I just like flipped him off, and it, it felt so good. It felt so good. <laughs> Sometimes when you flip me off, I have to look twice because your finger's so little. Is he flipping me off? Can't tell. It's a mini flip off. Huh? It's yeah. a mini flip off. It's more aggressive, but doesn't. It's not as harsh. <laughs> How do you take this abuse all the time? Like, what do you do to build yourself back up? I don't know. Um, I think because it's been my whole life like this, like I've kind of been teased, like, like for instance, when I was, I had to have been like six or seven, we had a, a guy that helped us out on our farm that, um, would always torment me. Like one quick memory was like, I remember he put a cigarette in my mouth cause he smoked cigarettes and, um, it wasn't lit obviously, but he put it in my mouth and my grandpa walked in like right then. And I don't know how he didn't get fired. He probably almost did. Um, but that guy would always tease me all the time, man. But he also rebuilt my bike. So he knew like I needed him. Mm. So like, mm. you know, when my, when my dad was too busy farming, like he would rebuild my 60 for me or help me out to get me going. And, um, I, he said, I was talking too much one day on the tractor. Like I was like, I want to ride with you for the day. And I'm out of school summer or something like that. And I, my dad said, he remembers coming around like to, he was driving the grain cart. My dad was in the combine and, um, to unload into the grain cart. He looked over and just my mouth was taped shut, duct tape. <laughs> and he said the next time he did it, he came back and then I was duct taped to the steering wheel. And he, his name was Moe and he was showing my dad like this, like spinning the steering wheel as fast as he could with me taped to it and my mouth shut. And then flipping it back around, like he, cause he, I remember him get on the radio being like, he talked too much. Had to shut it down. <laughs> <laughs> How close did you come to moving back home and being a farmer? Um... I mean, I, I, to be saying I, it doesn't cross my mind still because, I mean, I go back there once a year and, like, it's mm-hmm. so nice to go home. And, like, I know that's always different because it changes going back and visiting where you're from and then all living there again. Like, it could change. like I, And it, it might not. It, I might be totally happy. But I also feel like I'm living in a place right now where everything's at your fingertips, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if you want anything, you can probably get it that day. If not, it'll be the next day. And I fear that that might be a little bit different going back into that. Not that I couldn't handle it, but it would be different change of pace. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I still, it's still really close to my heart. Like I would, I'd still love to do it, but to actually start a farm or anything like that, just, you know, you need millions. It's not going to happen. Yeah. Hey, what, what is your family farm? What was it? What do they grow? Uh, we did, um, uh, corn, Milo, soybeans. What's Milo? Um, like a green and red plant. Yeah. Little grain. Yeah. Stinks. Really? Mm -hmm. Itchy. Very itchy. Are are there, you know, when you see like the, uh, the fields and everything, are there like snakes in there? Mm -hmm. Probably. Oh yeah. Yeah. We had one in our, we had like fields in our yard and it's all the, all the time. And Mm -hmm. then there's deer in there all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I remember one time I was working for our neighbor one time and I was running the grain cart then and he was unloading grain onto the grain cart and I'm driving and then all of a sudden he slammed on the brakes man and I was like barely reacted to not like had to back up real quick so we don't spill a bunch of grain and he gets out like we back up the, the combine and he's like 
you know, cussing. And then gets down, and then we had got a skunk in the header. And Ooh. it was so bad, dude. Like, we're trying to get – you got to get it out. Yeah. Because it clogs it. And, uh, this, oh, my gosh, the smell was so bad, dude. We're both, like, about to throw up, and it's, like, on us. And then I'm like, we, but we got to get it out so we got to get this field done. It was just – yeah, it was hectic. But the last couple of years, I think we just ended up just doing mostly alfalfa, which was – I mean, it was more profit. And um, – What do they do with that? Turn it into hay, and you sell it. So, yeah, uh, yeah you bale it up. Um, yeah. I guess you can do round bales, small bales, or square bales. And we did, like, one-ton square bales. Mm-hmm. And your your family still does that? No. No. no, my dad, so I think I was about 15, about 2005, he sold um, sold everything, and they moved to Decatur um, near the Oak Hill National, and then uh, been done with that ever since. Mm. You know, if you went back and became a farmer, there's that Farmers Only mm-hmm. website. Yeah, dude, it bugs me so bad. Huh? It bugs me so bad, the commercials. Why? Because it's so stereotypical, like, farmers don't walk in like that and long johns and an overalls and a button-up snap parole and be like where are the girls at you know that's just not that's not where i'm from like i, mm. I just i just it really bugs me mm. were you like the outcast kid around all the farmers because like i grew up in a farming town or area and they just thought i was like some mutant that they wanted to make fun of because i look different it, it was weird because like at school kind of because I didn't play football or basketball yeah. and I wasn't, you know, a jock or whatever, which obviously didn't grow, so there's no chance of that. But, um, but no, like, the community itself, like, really supported us, which that was really cool. Like, like as far as neighbors, which they were three miles away, but when mm-hmm. you did see them, they were really supportive. And, like, everyone would always stop. We had our track, like, right by the highway, and people would always come over and, like, stop and, and hang out. And So, I mean, yeah, sometimes school was a pain in the ass just because they would – not really understand why you didn't want to participate in anything they're doing Mm -hmm. but they as far as the community goes no it was great yeah um you're not an f1 fan but you are how did how have you watched that like f1 series because i like the first thing that i saw when ricardo was on there i'm like oh yeah that's will's like will's buddy it's honestly and i hate to say it like that but like it's kind of taking the fun out of it for me just because of his like he's been struggling obviously yeah um and it's hard to watch that but at the same time like I mean, I still love the sport. Like, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll try and go to another one this year. I try to go to a, a new venue every year that works in our schedule somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I still love any, anything with a motor like that. And then that whole community has been so good about – like, when I went to Italy this year, and, um, you know, you, you're just cruising around, and I see all the Alpine Star guys, and they're like, what's up? What are you doing here? I'm like, what are you doing here? You know, like, how's it going? And, and like, that, that kind of thing is really cool that we share some of that. And, then like, obviously, like – the weirdest thing is that it's how we became friends and like um when we talk it's like you know he asks you how the things are going here asking things are going there and then it's just like just chatting like it's nothing to do really with anything other than just how's it going yeah so that's like and like i said it shouldn't have ever worked out it's just so random how like twitter message each other like yeah dude you're going to vegas yeah i am let's hang out and we ended up hanging out and it just became like i've been on training trips with him and he's come over here and like gone mountain biking with me and stayed at my house it's just um don't really understand it, but it's pretty crazy. I like how him and Hamilton were at uh, Coachella because if any of our guys posted that they were at Coachella, people would have melted down. Fired. Oh, they'd have been up. Probably fired, yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, when you're uh, calling the shots like that and you can't practice and you probably already trained that day, I guess. What not? are you going to do? Yeah, why not? Yeah. <laughs> hey, that casual Twitter banter that you had with them became runs. You should be casual like that with the chicks. I have a chick, dude. Oh, you have a chick now? Yeah. 
Did you know that? No. Well, I, I don't. Whoa. I don't. It's not going to be on Instagram or like. Dude. Wait, for real? Yeah. How long? I don't know. First of the year sometime. For real? Mm-hmm. Wow. I'm changing. Definitely changing. You just took like a whole page out of his playbook on Jack. I know that felt good. Dude, (laughs) I'm pumped for you. That's good. No, it's been good. It's been solid. That's good. Well, hey, uh, not really dirt bike talk, but. Let's touch a little bit on the uh, the phone call you had today with so so. Will and I are both dog dads, and, and <laughs> yeah, I put I put Will in touch with the uh, a dog communicator today, and you had your uh, you had your reading with Bernadette from uniquelyspirited.com. Mm-hmm. It was pretty crazy because like when you first told me about it, I'm kind of like. It's no way, you yeah, know. Right? And then some of the things you told me, I'm like, well, there's just there's no way you can know anything like that without. I mean, it's got to be somewhat legit, you know. Yeah. And yeah, hey, come on, we're we're like dirt bike guys, and we're gonna believe that a lady can talk to a dog since four, huh? Since four, yeah, yeah. No, I I was blown away. So, but yeah, she nailed it. And apparently, she said that Ty said I'm doing a really good job, so that's a plus. Yeah. At least he approves. Need to leave the light on a little bit more for him. He doesn't really like when I get home late and there's no lights on. Yeah, tell him you're not you're gonna come back when you leave. Yeah, I'll stop making that joke now. No, I really thought that was funny. Like if I go to the mailbox even and I said bye forever, Ty, and then when I open the door, he's sitting like right there, pissed. And I was like, so now <laughs> she knows. She just told me that he understands English, so I should probably be a little more careful. Yeah. Does Ty know about the poison oak incident? <laughs> no, no, I didn't have him then. Yeah, I know. But like, yeah, I haven't yeah. spoke about it, no. Okay. I wouldn't tell him about the poison oak. No, he probably, he probably will be pretty emotional for multiple reasons on that. <laughs> nice. Well, without going too far off topic and talking about dog psychics, et cetera, um, what do you have going? I mean, obviously Vegas is this weekend, and then is it a mad scramble for the next two weeks to get ready for Hangtown? I think everybody will be like that. I think that, you know, you probably – Monday might not be riding, but we're back here, you know, working and getting ready for the, I mean, it's, it's kind of sad. You have basically six to seven days of riding more or less, you know, even eight before you go to Hangtown after Vegas. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's not a whole lot of time, you know, obviously we're doing outdoor prep and I think we're ready. The bike's in a good spot and we're lucky with this new bike, how good it really has been all year. Uh, and I think that it really showed too, um, but yeah, I mean, there's no. It's gonna be wide open until we go to Presta at Hangtown, and then probably more wide open that next week. Mm-hmm. Who's the guy on your team for outdoors? Um, there's there's a lot of them. Well, I know there's four guys, but like, is there one that's like you have all the hopes and dreams of the team on, on his shoulders? I put it on all of them equally, Don. All don't make me pick a guy, dude. Yeah, okay, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. You know. No, I think that I think we're in a good spot. Like I think you know, Colt came into his own last year. He got a podium at the last round. Mm-hmm. Dylan won races. Yeah. Uh, Justin won a moto. Mitchell's rebuilding himself right now. I, I just I don't. We're in a good spot. Mm-hmm. How different are the bikes for outdoors? Um, do you have to change much besides the suspension? No, we don't change anything. We're in the same suspension too. Just running supercross suspension. It's a yeah, little stiff all, sometimes. Yeah. There's some big jumps this year now, though. That's so what I mean. Standard, yeah, yeah, no, we don't want to clump short on something with it too soft, so we just run the Supercross stuff. Mm-hmm. And, like, honestly, it just made them tougher. So what's the lie? Is it the suspension setup or that Will has a chick? 
They're both unbelievable, aren't they? Both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, they're both pretty bad. No, it's it's mainly just some suspension yeah. tweaks, like maybe a nothing l- like uh, more raked out front end or for stability or something. No, not really. I don't think we've really. Like I said, the bikes come pretty, pretty spot on. I mean, we throw neck and clamps on and stuff like that. But I mean, for the most part, it's not really much geometry wise that we end up changing. Mm-hmm. You guys ever put a steering stabilizer in your bikes? Um, no. Have you? No. no. What would you think about drilling a f- hole in your frame to install a steering stabilizer? Did it at MDK? Huh? I did it at MDK. You I'm did it at MDK? Mm-hmm. We ran at Supercross and Outdoors. Mm. Did you ever worry about that hole being drilled in your frame? No, no. My swing arm broke a lot that year anyway, so that was at least my worries. Oh. Was that before the linkage? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, man, I think I got a flat come in. They're like, no. It's got air in it. I'm like, man, it feels weird back there. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> and I load my bike up in the back of my truck and throw it to the side. Like, you know, you have to like make room to the tailgate. And the thing just goes clank, clank, clank. And you're like, what the hell was that? Ooh. Look back. Yeah, the axles don't even know how it's in, but it's in. Mm. But mm. that was pretty frequent. Was was uh, was that the worst bike you ever raced through your career? <laughs> um, No, I shouldn't say that. No, it wasn't. Um, It was the worst gear you wore. Such a hater. No, did you the Rasta sh- gear was sick, dude. Huh? The Rasta gear was sick. But remember the shift stuff that was like orange, black oh, yeah. and white, like yeah, yeah. checkers. Yeah, or it something? wasn't ideal, and the pants were kind of mixed matched. I get it; it wasn't ideal. Yeah. Um, no, that bike in Supercross was actually really good, and I mean the bike was fast. That was never a problem. The bike was really oh, fast. Fifty are always fast. But man, outdoors that thing was scary. <laughs> <laughs> like I mean, I obviously obviously wasn't good in Supercross or outdoors anyway at that point. But yeah, it was scary. I'm not going to lie. I think I actually might have ran Supercross Mission Outdoors that year. Yeah. On purpose? No. No. No, I just, it was that stiff, I'm pretty sure. Hey, Cooper Webb's bike here. How much is this thing worth, do you think? $190,000. Like for real, or are you just... No, I don't, I don't know. Um, no, without kind of breaking that down, I wouldn't be able to answer that accurately, yeah. honestly. I just wonder, because like it's just in the window of your shop. I mean, The blind's closed, dude. Oh, this thing, this thing goes full like, but full prison. Close at night, like blinds, metal blinds, or yeah. like, oh really? Yeah, we should it all down. Security. Yep. Oh, sick. All right. Do you guys? How much stuff do you guys do back here? Like, you have a dyno room and everything. Yeah, we can. I would say everything's done in house. Mm-hmm. How long have you guys been in this shop? Um, it's two years and some change. Okay. I think so. No, you're you're almost two years. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I'm, I'm. I think I. I I'm just. You're just mind, gonna keep messing. With my him mind has just shut down. When, when he told me he has a chick has now. A chick, yeah. I know. Like, he, that's a it, huge relief serious? for him. Is it serious? Well, serious enough. Yeah. 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 And I don't. I don't move too quick. So. Have you said the L word? No. Oh, you haven't. To my mom. Okay. I love my mom. All right. Well. Well. Four months. I told Ty, I'm going to have to remind him tonight. Is apparently, I've yeah. been... Remind your dog you love him and that yeah. you're not leaving. You'll come back from your trip. Yeah, i got to explain it in detail now. I feel kind of bad now. You need to give him like a schedule. Like, hey, this is the hotel. Here's yeah, the right address. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I always tell him to call me if he has a problem, but <clears throat> he get to do it. <laughs> nice, nice. Well, hey, man. Uh, it's been fun, as always, with you. But uh, thanks for joining us for the... Uh, the Kickstart Podcast presented by 60 Helmets, and uh, good luck this weekend in Vegas. 
And uh, heck, we'll see you in two weeks at Hangtown. <laughs> Won't be long, but I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me on. All right, buddy. Thanks, buddy. See ya.